0: Alyssa Bloomquist's 2-hour, 41-minute, and 24-seconds winning performance at the 2019 Rock and Roll Savannah Marathon earned her a place on the start line at this year's Olympic Trials Marathon. But the enormity of that accomplishment only scratches the surface of what Alyssa achieved that autumn day. A deeper dive into her running reveals a nearly 11-minute personal best as the culmination of a training block spent pushing her newborn daughter in a stroller. Earlier this week, Alyssa spent her toddler's nap time on a Zoom call with us, sharing her story and a bit of motivation to get us all energized for our next training cycle. Here's Alyssa Bloomquist and Mile 57 of Seconds Flat. Alyssa, welcome in to Second slot. It's great to have you. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. How are you?
0: Great. What are you doing today in the midst of quarantine?
1: Well, it happens right now, it happens to coincide with my summer break. I work for the school district, so I have been off since uh, beginning of June. So it kind of looks like a typical summer right now because there's not a whole lot going on. So it's mostly just getting in those morning runs before, you know, well, I, I can't really say before the heat hits because it's always there. It's um, always too
0: late for that. Yeah, <laughs> so not
1: humid, But as early as I can. Um, and then it's mostly just errands and toddler time and Just soaking in time at home before I have to start back with, I'm not really sure what the school year is going to look like, but yeah,
0: I I was just going to ask that. Do they have any plan yet for you for what your school's doing?
1: You know, Greenville County has kind of kept us in the dark with everything. So the employees are kind of just as much unsure as the parents and students at this point. So I don't know right now if it's going to be completely virtual when we start or if it's going to be like students come one day a week I don't think it will be more than that it definitely won't be normal at the start of the school year but we don't know I don't know if I'll be working from home or be going into my school yet so it's very weird I don't really know how to prepare but uh, I guess what you know that this whole situation has taught all of us is that you have to be flexible anyways so I'm just trying not to stress because there's not really anything I can do to control it at this point, but we will see.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Add a few more uh, questions to the already anxious going back to school time for everyone, I'm sure. So we wish you luck on the new school year. You are one of the great stories from the recent Olympic trials marathon. So let's start by flashing back maybe uh, about a year and a half before the race in Atlanta. It's fall 2018. You just had a baby girl. What were your thoughts about running during that time?
1: Um, they weren't too great, honestly. Um, so I basically before she before she was born, I I was a runner, but not like super serious anymore. I mean, I would run every day, but I never really trained or did any kind of workouts. I just would go for runs, um, and then. I ran through my pregnancy with her and then ended up getting a stress fracture during my third trimester. So the last three months of my pregnancy, I was in a boot, not running. So that was miserable. And then by the time, you know, I I had her and healed from some of the, you know, the postpartum healing that goes on, it had been about four months since I had run period. So I was very, um, unsure of how it was going to go and starting to feel a little just like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get in shape again, because this just seems a little overwhelming. So I remember just starting back running that first, that first run, it was a single mile. And I want to say it was like a 10 minute mile. It wasn't anything special. I was like paranoid about my ankle being tender the whole time. I was like, I don't know if this stress fractures healed. And you know, there was just a lot of, a lot of anxieties going on, but I kept going on, you know, just like single mile runs built up to a mile and a half and then two miles and then so on. And eventually got up to eight miles and started to feel a little bit better. And around that time, that's when, um, a couple of my other running friends told me that I should start working out with them and start really getting into shape. And that's when probably, hmm, two, two and a half months postpartum. I actually like did my first track workout and then it just picked up quickly from there. I want to say like maybe five, five and a half postpartum. I did a a half marathon and I ran a PR. It was a small PR. I actually wanted to run faster, but my watch died and I, I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) So, you know, like I realized, oh my goodness, I'm in better shape than I was before all of this. So it was, it was quick and it was exciting. And You know, at that point I wasn't really thinking about a marathon, but the spring came and I did the Cooper River Bridge run and I ran another um PR in that one, and that was um in the 10K. So I was cooling down with a couple of runner friends and they were like, You really need to do a marathon this fall? Like, I think you could run the the trials. And I was like, guys, I mean, my PR in the marathon is a 252. That's not even close to a two forty five. I don't know, but I do know that I can PR, and so I kind of just went with that. And I was like, you know what? Even if this doesn't happen, I'm gonna run a good marathon. Of course, as it got closer and closer to the marathon, I started being like, okay, I have to, I have to get this. I can't just, I can't just PR. I have to get under two forty five. So I started getting a little anxious about it, but fortunately i I did meet my goal with that, so I was happy with it. but um it definitely became more and more of a solid goal as I got closer and felt more confident in my training and was like, "You know what, I can do this so, so
0: looking back on that all that time off, you said maybe four ish months, do you feel like that allowed for a reset physical mental reset that maybe benefited you in the long run?
1: I think so. I mean. I've been running since I was like 14 years old. So it's just become part of my identity without like a real chunk of time off. I've never had like a super major injury. I mean, I had in college, I had something, but it was never a stress fracture. I don't really know what it was, but this was the first, the longest time off I had had since I started running. It was, yeah, it was, it was hard at first, but at the same time, it made me so much more eager to get back into it than if it had just been like a week off. It's like, okay, well, I guess I'll start running again. It was more like, yes, I am ready. I want to do this. I want to get in shape. And I had accountability. I mean, all of a sudden, I had formed this little trio. I never had training partners before. It just wasn't, I just ran on my own. And, and all of a sudden I had two other moms that were wanting to meet up for workouts and i had that accountability piece i had never had before so yeah it was it was like a reset and like a whole new routine that i just didn't have before so i think the combination of the two just really helped me take off from there
0: after cooper river your friends convince you let's take a stab at 245 when for you, did you really commit to that's the training goal going forward?
1: Probably later that summer when I started getting into my long runs, it was, I don't really, I don't really know the specific day, but I remember having the goal in the back of my mind, but it was also like, you know, this is a goal, but I'm not so sure. Like even if I PR, I'll be happy. But then I want to say like, it probably wasn't until three weeks before the marathon I, I remember I ha- I was going to do my last long run before the race. It was going to be 24 miles. I, none of my friends could meet that day, but it was the only day I could do it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go by myself and I'm going to do this. And I remember I got up at like 5. AM I pumped because my daughter wasn't awake yet. And I was still <laughs> breathing. So. I pumped and then I drove out to the Swamp private trail and I got there and it was still like pitch black outside and it was like pouring rain. It was like the most unideal possible. Like I, I literally sat in my car for five minutes and was like, Oh my God, maybe I should just go home. Like, I don't know that I'm not feeling it today. Like this is just, this sucks. And then I kind of gave myself like a little pep top. Like, no, if you do not do this today, you aren't going to do it you're going to be so pissed at yourself that you didn't do it. You're going to have all these regrets. You set this goal. You have literally been training for this marathon for months. You've made sacrifices. You've worked hard. You're going to do this. So I got out of the car. I ran in the pouring rain and it was an amazing run. I, I remember like coming back from like, I, you know, I went out to traveler's rest and then I ran back and I remember running back just hitting like 630 pace which is not race pace but it was still very solid for a long run and I felt amazing and I just remember thinking okay if I can do this I felt awesome that run I I feel good about this marathon and then that kind of just solidified it like you know what you can push yourself to do things even when the situation's not ideal you can do this marathon so that was I mean it wasn't until that late in the game that I was really like okay this this is happening you're you're doing it. You have worked hard for this. You're not going to let yourself settle for anything less.
0: It's amazing how you described it there as a few minutes in the car on a rainy, dark morning, but those decisions we make, right? uh, In your case, I have to go put 24 in right now. How much that changed your mental approach to the race that was coming up in three weeks. I could use you maybe sometimes to motivate me when I need to get out for those, just to sit me down and say, you can do this, you've been training, get out there. But those are the- And it's really
1: that thought of, if you don't do it, you are going to be mad. So it's like a, if you give up in this very moment, the consequences are going to be so much worse than if you just pushed yourself that much further. And that's kind of like the mindset at the end of a marathon too. It's like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah, I'm in pain. But at the same time, I have a few more miles. And if I just suck it up for these few more miles, I'm going to be so much happier than if I had just given up and slowed down and, and, you know, not gotten my goal when you're so close to the end that that defining moment can really make a big difference. Like you said.
0: Yeah, you're never going to be disappointed in yourself for getting out and doing the run rather than yeah. than mailing it in. What were the biggest challenges in balancing your training and having a newborn at home?
1: Um, well, I touched on it a little bit, but just the whole like breastfeeding and trying to either nurse or pump around my runs was difficult at first, especially when she was really little and and fed often, so that was a whole new thing, whole new territory that I had never been used to before um it was all of a sudden part of my warmups for races and it was just just something you had to factor in extra time for and extra planning for and then also you know respecting my husband's time so you know if i'm going out for a run early in the morning he likes to sleep in too so making sure that if I'm getting up early one morning and leaving him with the baby, then the other morning I'm getting her in the stroller and she's going out with me so he can have time too. So it was kind of a balance of having somebody else watch her, but also taking her with me times too when, when he needed a break. So there was also a learning curve with running with a stroller Um, that I feel like it, it took, it took a while for me to get used to. It's, kind of an arm workout, which is surprising at first. My legs felt fine the first time I pushed it, but my arms were like on fire. So I definitely think that helped make me stronger too. But again, it was it was hard at first. It was, it was a struggle. Like I didn't start pushing the stroller, I want to say, until until I was able to go for a full run without one. And then I started pushing that and that was a whole new setback. Like, okay, we've got to take it slow from here. So yeah, lots of like extra factors, but At the same time, it's been really fun bringing her on my runs, especially in the summer. Now she runs with me every day because um, I don't put her in daycare over the summer. So it's definitely, you have to do, you have to do all of your, all of your runs have to factor in the fact that you will have a child with you.
0: Uh, Were there sacrifices that maybe you made along the way there that helped you become better in all your roles, teacher, um wife because it sounds like you became really good at managing time and responsibilities.
1: Yeah, and and there are definitely frustrating moments in there. Now now it's now it's a little bit smoother that now that she's a toddler, but as a baby, you know, you'd plan to go out for a run and all of a sudden she'd be screaming and crying and you'd have to stop and figure out, you know, what I need to do to To fix this or to appease her or whatever. So there's lots of bumps in the road and it's frustrating as a mom because A, you don't want people to judge you for pushing a crying baby, B, you don't want your baby to be crying. There's a lot of stop and go and there's a lot of cutting the run short or bringing her back home, maybe going out later. Um, So there's definitely lots of compromises there. And and like I said, just, just the time management. So it may be, okay, maybe I'm going to try and wake up and run before she wakes up and just get up super, super early. But then maybe you don't get out the doors early and you have to like either run a lot faster or cut your run short. Um, so there's definitely sacrifices and there's definitely a lot of patience involved. Sometimes I wasn't the best at that, but I mean, nobody's perfect. But, but at the same time, there was a lot, there was a lot of growth there because I, learned how to be a mom. And I learned how to give myself some grace in the fact that, you know, somebody else's needs come before mine and that is okay. And it's okay to not necessarily get in the run of the workout that you had originally intended because something else didn't go as planned. But again, that's okay. And it's, you just have to accept that. And and there were a few times in that journey where I had to say, you know what, I'm a mom, this is, this didn't happen as planned, but I I did my best. I did what I needed to do. And it's okay. I just had to keep saying it's okay. And it didn't happen, you know, it didn't happen all the time, but you just have to give yourself that grace when it happens.
0: Yeah. Incredibly valuable perspective that the world is bigger than us and what's happening just to us individually in any moment. And you sure give us all a lot of reason to eliminate the excuses that we can often come up with any day that we want to get out and run. So you decide on Savannah as the goal race, not known necessarily as a lightning fast qualifier that everybody's going to go run. So why Savannah?
1: Yeah. And I, I kind of realized that going into it. And the reason is going to be a little bit um, silly, not silly. (laughs) Interesting. Um, So I am married to a Clemson football fanatic. I have my passions, he has his, I support that. But during the fall, Clemson football dictates our schedule. And so that, that limits the, the amount of choices that I had for a marathon to choose. The Savannah was actually a Clemson home game, but it was against Wofford. And I convinced him that it was okay to skip the Wofford game because it's kind of always a blowout. Um, No offense to any, any Terriers out there. We love Wofford. (laughs) It's not usually a competitive game. Um, So anyways, I was looking at another marathon up North. Um, I was actually looking at a few. We decided that skipping the Wofford game kind of outweighed the cost of traveling because we can just drive to Savannah. So
0: what were the races you were uh, debating against? You know what?
1: I can't even remember. There was one, and, and they weren't even big races either. Like, okay. it, I was looking at, I think, the one weekend that Clemson had a buy game, and the choices were limited. And I want to say one was like in Corning, New York, because we have wine glass. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So yeah. I looked at that one. Um, it had good reviews. I didn't Great know race. Yeah. there. But again, we the, the travel and the, the hassle of all that just didn't really seem to outweigh Savannah. So we went with Savannah and I had run it before in 2013 it was actually the first marathon i ever did so i knew that i liked the race um it's it's pretty flat i mean i knew it wasn't going to be a super challenging course and i I was somewhat familiar with it i'm not the best at directions but at least i had done it before so um there's reassurance in that but then you know i was like well maybe they'll have pacers anyways and that was not true. The fastest pacer was for 330. So um, that was kind of a bummer. But I was like, you know what? I've, I've done quite a few workouts on my own. I've done quite a few long runs on my own. I'm just going to have to set my pace and stick with it. And that's always been kind of a downfall for me in the past. So I, I knew going into Savannah that I'd be by myself for one, but also I just have to be disciplined because my my mistakes in the past have always been go out way too fast and die really hard between miles like 18 and 20 um and i will a never train but i also have never really done much nutrition during the race other than like the water and Gatorade so i came to this race prepared that a i'm going to run by myself b i'm going to be disciplined and c i'm going to take the proper nutrition during the race to keep my energy up and make sure that I, I don't crash. So yeah, less than ideal conditions for the race, just it not being competitive um, and being on my own. But I kind of went into it knowing that I was going to be just having to push myself.
0: As an aside, if you get a chance to do wine glass. That is a really nice race. I recommend. Did that probably. I,
1: I do want to do it someday. Now that I've looked into it, but yeah, um, you know, yeah, it'll I just depend on the football schedule.
0: There you go. <laughs> if we if we get a bye week or a Wofford game, I did it like six or eight years ago. It, it it's really good. So you started to break down some of your approach there to the race. So let's get into the the planning a little bit of how you wanted to attack the course and then how that actually played out. On race day in Savannah.
1: Okay, so um, I knew that if I wanted to run a two forty five, I needed to run like a six seventeen ish average. So my goal was to try and hit like six fifteen or so. Um, I didn't want to, you know, be right on pace just in case you know I slowed down a little bit or whatever, and you know, not every mile is exactly the same. So I was trying to hit somewhere between like six ten and six fifteen. For my race pace. And I wanted to keep it consistent because, like I said, that's been a big mistake for me in the past. So I get to the starting line and I am the only person with an elite bib entry, or at least the only female. So I kind of looked around and was like, okay, I I will be on my own. But then the race started and I start going my pace, everything's going according to plan. And another woman runs up next to me. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I, I didn't think I'd have, you know, anybody running with me, but this is great. Maybe she's going for the goal too. Maybe she just didn't sign up for a lead entry and, and she's in this with me. And then she picks it up even faster and starts going, you know, sub six ten pace. And I was like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, 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 I don't need to go with her. Don't make that mistake. You told yourself you weren't going to go out too fast. So I had to, I had to take a step back and let her go. Um, and she, and she took off and I, I stayed at my, at my pace and I was very consistent. And I was proud of myself for doing so because it worked out in the end. Um, she ended up running like a two fifty eight in that race, so I, I was glad I stuck with my pace, um, even though it was the, the competitive side of me wanted to chase her. Um, and then I want to say a few miles later, after that that whole internal debate with myself, I did end up running alongside a woman that was in the half marathon, which the marathon, the full and the half run together for about 11 and a half miles and then they split off. And so there was a woman in the half who happened to be running my pace. And she kind of like said, you know, are you going for the, are you going for the OTQ? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, you're on pace right now. And then she asked me, do you have enough nutrition? I was like, oh yeah, I've got enough um, gummies. Cause I'm not a big, I'm not a big gel person, but I had the, like, I don't even remember what brand they were. I think they were cliff blocks. And I was like, yeah, I took some before the race and I've got two, two servings for during the race. And she was like, only two, that's not enough. And then she reached in her sports bra, grabbed one of her gels and handed it to me. It was like, take this too. And I was like, okay, and actually I did. So I actually had three, um, different bits of nutrition during the race. So I, um, I actually saw her after the race and she was like, did you get it? And I was like, yeah, And I, and I had your gel too. Thank you. <laughs> so um, the camaraderie was definitely there, which was nice. So she, you know, she stayed with me up until like the 11, 11 and a half mile mark, which was nice. Cause I did have someone to run with for a little bit. Um, and then by the time I split off, I was in my pace, and kind of in my rhythm at that point. So I felt comfortable going on and and keeping that pace. And it was very, very consistent throughout the race. I think actually towards the end, I even picked it up. So I feel like being disciplined at the beginning definitely helped me in the end.
0: That is a critical lesson of marathoning that we all encounter at some point. You earlier referenced previous best time, 252-ish. Yes. Yes. When you come to the line at Savannah, knowing that 245 is the target, and you referenced that you hadn't really trained specifically in previous attempts, but still, seven minutes at that pace in a marathon is a significant improvement. Yes. Where's the mental emotional state? What, was your confidence level high? What did you think going on um,
1: You know, I'm not going to lie. It was a little rough. <laughs> Um, the night before my husband and I were getting dinner, we were getting the pasta, you know, and we're sitting in the restaurant and I just started bawling and he was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know if I can do it. I really want to. And he's like, well, you know what? Like, even if you don't like, who cares? And I was like, I care. I You know, I had a little bit of a meltdown. I I won't lie. Um, But I had to keep reminding myself of all of the reasons why I could do it. And and those were that I had trained way differently this time. I never did track workouts. I never did speed before any of my marathons before. I had so much space and I had so many PRs leading up to this race. So that was a huge factor. You know, factor number two was that I knew I was going to be smart this race. I knew I was going to hold back and make sure I didn't go out too fast. And I knew that I was going to do nutrition and I had practiced with it in my long runs. And I knew that A, my stomach could handle it and B, it was going to help me because I could feel those effects even during my training. So I had so many, so many differences between the buildup for this marathon and any other marathon I had done before, both physically and mentally that yes, I was definitely unsure and scared, but I was also, I was also very confident and, and not only did I believe I could do it, but my friends and and my support around me believed I could do it. So that was just very, very reassuring. And I think what, what kept me going, because if I didn't, if I didn't believe it, I don't think it would have happened.
0: No, your husband sounds like a good man because he, he said he, nobody would care. He's very supportive. And the back of his head, he's got to be thinking, I missed a Clemson football game for this. You need to get out there and run a 245. But yeah. <laughs> the encouragement was, was valuable. My, fa- my favorite question uh, when we talk to, we've had a lot of runners on here over the past number of months who raced in Atlanta. And I love to know when you knew you had that trial standard at what point during the race did you have that realization that heck yes we're going to Georgia
1: um I think it was around mile 20 um because usually my breaking point is somewhere between 18 and 20 so I remember leading up to that I was getting getting kind of sure like around 16 I was like okay I feel good. Let's see what happens in two more miles. I got to 18. I was like, okay, I still feel good. I'm actually picking up the pace a little bit. Like this, this is promising. And then I got to 20 and I was like, we're doing this. There is no doubt in my mind I am gonna make it now because I feel great and I have never felt like this in a marathon before, this, this is 100% happening. And at that point I started getting just like really, really excited um, because I had gotten past my breaking point and I felt, I felt good. So from, from mile 20 to mile 26, it was kind of like a, a little bit of hurt crept in, but not, not enough for me to, to feel like I couldn't keep up and couldn't keep the pace because I, I, felt, I felt confident.
0: Yeah, for all the listeners thinking about 26.2 miles who maybe haven't done it or they've been out there and it's tough, you are racing that that distance uh, as much as any competitor that you have, that description you just gave of the way you feel at 20, to me, that's part of the reason so many people keep getting on the line at a marathon, chasing that moment because. What you described with 10K to go for a marathoner is almost as significant as the very reward you had of going to Atlanta. That thrill of knowing I've gotten this far and I'm still feeling good. And you're right, you did have a a negative split. Try to, if you can in any way, describe those emotions in that last 10K of how that feels to know not only am I going, but I'm going and I feel good. And I am really attacking the end of this race.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think my favorite part about the marathon is that feeling of accomplishment. It it's, it's, I, I don't even know if you can fully describe it because it's just, you feel so good about yourself knowing I, A, I worked so hard for this, but B, I did it and I finished it and I finished it well. So, I mean, I've, and and that Savannah marathon was the first marathon I did finish well. All of my other marathons were a struggle to get to the finish line. It was kind of like walking with a bounce, barely jogging to get to the end. Whereas this one, it was, I was running to the end. So that confidence piece and that feeling good, I mean, you just, it's like cloud nine, you feel on top of the world, you feel invincible. Like it, I mean, it's just amazing. I, I I remember by the time I got to where I could see the finish line, I like kind of was crying, kind of laughing, like all of these emotions of relief and excitement all in one. So it's the most crazy bundle of emotions, but it's also like the most wonderful bundle of emotions. So I, I mean, there's not really anything like it it's kind of hard it's kind of hard to fully describe until you experience it how did you celebrate um so well we were in Savannah which so we went out um I actually the way rock and roll marathons are set up is you only get prize money if you hit a certain time and so I did get prize money with my with my time so I celebrated by going shopping (laughs) 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 so I bought you know I bought some stuff for myself I bought some expensive like fancy toys for my daughter and I because my husband gave up a football game I let him buy some bourbon um, with some of my prize winning so we all kind of we all kind of won in that sense and and got a little treat
0: (laughs) that is the first shopping as celebration story I'm used to hearing like "Oh, I had a beer I had a burger (laughs) we went shopping good for you (laughs)
1: never up for that after a marathon I like after I've done a couple it's gotten better but I'm usually like not hungry until later that Mm. evening I never want to in theory I'm always like oh yeah I'm gonna want an ice cream sundae but then when it comes down to it after the race I'm like no I want to throw up my stomach hurts so bad so for me it was more like let me go buy some clothes
0: (laughs) Alyssa I don't care how bad I feel I am getting the ice cream sundae uh
1: (laughs) I will too. I think, I, I think we went out to a dessert bar later that night. It just took me a few hours to get there. Yeah,
0: you had to shop your way there. That's good. <laughs> yeah. All right, so now you have this quick turnaround to Atlanta. Uh, describe your approach to the big race.
1: That, that was weird too because Savannah was November and Atlanta was February, so that's a very close time frame. I feel like two marathons sort of back-to-back like that is kind of a lot on the body. So I was a little worried about that, but at the same time, I mean, nothing's going to stop me from running at the Olympic trials when I've qualified. So, um, it was basically like a little downtime. I think I took a week off of just no running at all. Um, and I was just sore and could barely walk after Savannah. So I, I needed that time off, but then, um, I started back running after a week and, I, I don't think I did any like major workouts for another week or so. And then just kind of got back into it and started kind of restarted the training cycle I had done leading up to uh, Savannah, but I just did it again leading up to Atlanta. So it was really weird. But at the same time, I felt like I knew what I was doing a little bit more because I had literally just done it. Um, And I knew what worked for me now. So I kind of had the confidence in that sense, like, okay, I've, I just did this, all of this worked for me. Let's just do it again. So it was kind of like a weird repeat cycle of what I had just done.
0: Tell us about the Olympic trials experience.
1: Um, It was awesome. The, I mean, the Atlanta track club helped host it with USATF and I think they did an amazing job. Um, they treated all of the athletes like rock stars. I mean, we got to stay in the Omni right downtown at the start. They gave us the choice of a shared hotel room and travel expenses paid or a private hotel room without the travel expenses. And since we were just driving from Greenville, I chose for the private hotel room so that my husband and daughter could stay with me. So that was really awesome because I got to bring my daughter around all weekend and, We took her to the expo, and I was actually on a speaking panel at the expo with a couple other, I guess, like average Joes, like non professional athletes that had qualified. Um, So that was really cool, a little intimidating, but it was really cool to have been chosen for something like that and to have people actually want to listen to what I had to say, not being a professional athlete and kind of being someone that compared to the rest of the field doesn't really know what they're doing or have experience with this. So, um that was that was really neat and then um of course the race itself was I'd almost equate it to Boston where um the the energy and excitement is there for the entire 26.2 miles. Um I I loved Boston because for the entire race start to finish, there are people cheering you on, which I, I love. I love having that high energy in a race. So, um, because I mean, obviously everyone wants to come watch the trials in Atlanta, but because it was also three loops, it made it very spectator friendly. So the entire time the streets are just Packed with people screaming at you. It just felt amazing. I mean, I know they weren't really cheering specifically for me, but it kind of felt like it. So that was amazing. And um, miles into the race, I saw my family with posters and my name. And then that, of course, got me even more excited. So I kept looking for them as I passed by that section, which was nice. You're
0: right. We've had athletes on, Rich Kana as race director. And I was in the crowd as a fan and a coach that day. And It was absolutely electric on a scale that people may not be able to really understand from their experiences having raced or watched marathons. It it felt more like an NCAA Final Four type of event. And I I felt so excited for all the runners. And and I still even just talking about it now, I, I get the chills a little bit of how meaningful that had to be for you all. For you, this wasn't your first trials. Can you compare what that experience in track at the steeplechase was like compared to on the road in the marathon?
1: Yeah, um, I would say both very exciting, very different from each other. So I ran the trials back in 2012 um, out at Eugene um, in the steeplechase and I was probably like, I didn't really have a shot of making the team back then, but I, I was higher ranked then. I think I came in 15th at the trials then. So, I mean, obviously I came in like a hundred and something in the marathon. So the rankings were a little bit different. It was probably more prestigious for me to have made it back then. But last time around, I had just finished my career running for Clemson. I had training with a coach under my belt you know, I had a team of people there to help me with, you know, trainers and coaches and all my travel was paid for by my team still. So I was very, I very much had a support system kind of telling me what to do. I didn't really have to think about registering myself or getting my credentials or any of that because I had a coach to do it for me. Whereas this time around, it was very much like you have to figure out what your uniform is um, and you have to go get it checked and approved and you have to sign yourself up and figure all of this out on your own. So it was, it was weird. I remember, I remember registering for the marathon and um, it asked me like who my coach was and I just typed in uh, Alyssa Bloomquist, (laughs) you know, like just weird things like that, that it's like, I was very much aware this time around. Okay. You are not a professional. You are not on a team. You don't have a coach. You're here because you did this on your own. So it was a lot more of an adult moment of, you know what, I, I'm here because I, I really earned it on my own. Whereas last time it was, I could attribute some of my success. I mean, of course I worked really hard to get there last time, but I also had people helping me get there. Whereas this time it was very much, you know, you're here because you set that goal and you did it so that was really cool, but obviously, you know, running a steeple on a track is very different than running a marathon in Atlanta on like the hardest course ever. (laughs) Um, so obviously the race experience was very different too. I think the first time around I was way more intimidated, um, just because I was ranked higher up. And, um, even though I, I didn't, ever think I was going to make the team. There was still like that. Well, you could potentially, whereas this time around in the marathon, it was like, okay, there are women that can run 20 minutes faster than you. You don't have a chance, but you know what you're, you're here. And this experience is going to be amazing. I think in the marathon, I just had a lot more fun with it. I wasn't stressed about it. Um, I ended up running alongside one of my Clemson teammates for 25 of the 26 miles. So honestly, like this time I just I just had way more fun in the race because I, I had felt like I earned it and I I was just there to enjoy it. But that, that said, I was very happy with my race. I, 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 um, I still feel like we ran a very smart race out there, but, um, I didn't have the stress, um, or, you know, like a coach telling me that, you know, there's a goal out there for me to do such and such. It was it was more of um, you're here. You're not going to make the team, but you're going to have an awesome race and you're going to have an awesome time doing it.
0: Yeah, that uh, race in Atlanta with how well that event went off and just all the technical aspects to how well Atlanta Track Club hosted that. Your previous experience, you know, it's Track Town USA and Eugene. It's, it's the pinnacle. And you got to feel like you you've been on two really great mountaintops in your running career with both those experiences. Is there a third act? Do you have hopes, plans for the future to continue training seriously?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like at this point, this type of training has kind of become the routine for me. Um, I don't know what the the new standard is going to be for the marathon to get into the trials i I think that they're going to probably make it quicker but i i ran a 241 in savannah and i i do think i can go to sub 240. now if the standard is like 237 that's a big jump but if it's like 240 or 239 then i might go for it i mean i'm I'm gonna go for whatever i can do anyways but i definitely see another another pr in the marathon in my future so yeah, I don't think I'm done. I I think it's going to depend on, on what 2024 trials are, are looking like and what it's going to look like to qualify. But I, I feel like after this whole experience, I have a whole new confidence level in what I can do and a whole new, I don't want to say lifestyle, but kind of lifestyle, like just a whole new way to go about my training. And, um, and I honestly, I like it. I like, I like having the success in running. Um, it, it feels good to go out and run a really good race and to just not kind of be like, eh, whatever. I, I like, I like being back into the competitive scene. So obviously I'm I'm not a professional or anything like that, but I, I still like taking it seriously. And, and I see more of that.
0: On that note, what what are the biggest life lessons from the totality of this Training cycle.
1: Oh, that there are no excuses. Probably, Um, I don't like excuses. I I don't think that I don't think you need one. I mean, either you do it or you don't. You don't. You don't need an excuse. Excuses just lead to. I don't want to say laziness, but for me, in in my life, usually an excuse leads to laziness. So that's my biggest thing I've learned is you just can't. You can't have excuses. If you say you're going to do something do it be disciplined so yeah i've had i've had to just tell myself stick to a plan have that discipline the rewards are going to be great if you do that
0: well said uh we'll bring it full circle here because you started out with 18 20 months ago starting to train again after a newborn how has your your marathon training and racing over the past couple years and the way you've had to balance all these responsibilities, how has that shaped you as a mother?
1: It's definitely helped me with uh, some patience. Um, but I also think, you know, it's it's helped me realize, I, I want her to, to look at me and be motivated too. I, I want to also be a role model to her. I want her to see, mom's going out for a run, you know, she's doing all this stuff. I want to do it too. Now, I'm not going to push her to be a runner. She can be whatever she wants to be. But I'm, I just hope that she sees that and sees the discipline and the goal setting and and wants to work towards something too, whether that's running or something else, that's fine. But I just. I just hope that that lifestyle and also just being healthy and taking care of yourself, she sees those things as important. So it's definitely made me think about what... I'm doing and how it's viewed through her eyes, because she does go out with me for a run every day. And, and she's kind of at the point now where I can take her to the track and I don't necessarily have to push her. She'll just kind of run around on her own because she, she knows to, to stay put, but she's watching and she's wanting to do what I do. So I also need to make sure that I'm setting good examples and not, you know, not doing things that I don't want her to to see and, and, you know, I won't say the wrong thing, but you know, I, I, I'm always being watched. So I have to live like I'm always being watched. I, I better make my actions count.
0: I suspect in a few years, uh, she's going to look back on this experience when you tell these stories and be very proud and very motivated to, I know I am, I, I want to get out and hammer some, some, inter- I got to find a stroller to push around so I can get, get better.
1: Uh, it is the workout, I will tell you that.
0: <laughs> all right. We will end on this. In the past few episodes, this has become the centerpiece question on which we end our interviews. This is, it's bigger than marathoning. It's bigger than motherhood. It's breakfast food. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to give you three. And I need you to rank them in order for me.
1: Oh gosh. Okay? Like a test or is this just my opinion? Oh
0: Well, uh, I consider it somewhat of a test, but no, oh, it is gosh. just, it's just your opinion. It's just your opinion. Okay.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> waffles, pancakes, french toast rank those three in order for us
1: okay this is tough
0: <laughs> i know we didn't say this would be easy
1: is this based on like taste or like ease of making
0: or is oh this no different- no just total total preference on what you like the best we're not making we're not making you cook it all
1: okay um i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with pancakes Number one, waffles, number two, French toast, number three.
0: (laughs) Oh, you put French toast at the bottom, did you?
1: Yeah, mainly because I'm not a super eggy person, but I do like French toast.
0: Fair. Okay. I got to tell you, I... As well as our past few guests, we have all put French toast at the top. Oh, gosh! So I n- failed. I know you—you you didn't pass the test, but that's—that's that's okay. That's preference. Sorry. As you said, they're all three delicious, so it's a hard choice. Um, <laughs> but you're going pancakes, waffles, French toast. Yes,
1: yeah. and I can explain my reasoning because please you- do. Because usually pancakes can come in such a variety of flavors. Like if you're in the mood for fruity, you can make blueberry pancakes. Or if you're in the mood for funky, you can have sweet potato pancakes. You can make them as like light or fluffy as you want, or as like dense or moist as you want. So, you know, it's like, it's very much a food that can depend on your mood and what you want, which I like because my mood is always changing. What I want to eat is always changing. um, And I like variety. So That was why my pancakes was my first.
0: (laughs) So while I might disagree with your ranking, that is a really rational reasoning, that explanation I can get on board with. Are you a breakfast for dinner type of person?
1: Uh, Yes.
0: Yeah, me me too. Oh yeah, now I have you so worried about every answer that you're afraid to say anything honestly.
1: This whole interview and be like, (laughs) ah, she sucks.
0: (laughs) uh Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun and and really again you 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 made the statement about excuses i I think for people listening here, this is just a, a more motivation to go out and chase whatever your goals or dreams are. It might not be two forty five in the marathon for the women out there to reach the trials. Whatever your target is, you have given us that little bit more reason why we should go chase it. And so we are all very thankful for that and, uh, wish you luck. Hopefully get to watch you again in 2024 at the trials.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Thanks again to Alyssa. We look forward to talking to you on mile 58. As always, you can contact the program at secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, take care of yourselves and keep getting those miles.